I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Extra the Podcast, everybody. I'm Melvin Robert. We have a great episode for you today. Thank you so much for joining us. First up, music legend Snoop Dogg is once again honing his acting chops in the new movie Underdogs. Snoop plays a washed-up NFL star sentenced to coach a peewee football team to avoid jail time. And he shares why no one had more fun on that set than him. Then, before they became hip-hop legends, Run DMC, Rev Run, Daryl McDaniels, and Jam Master Jay were just three young guys from Queens. Now, in their new documentary, the world sees how they changed both fashion and music forever. Rev Run talks to Extra to discuss the series and their lowest of lows, the murder of Jam Master Jay. But first, Demi Moore is making her TV return alongside fellow 80s Brat Pack star Molly Ringwald. And the two are going back to the 60s and 70s in their first project together, Ryan Murphy's feud, Capote vs. the Swans. Extra's Terry Seymour catches up with Demi and Molly who share why they didn't hesitate when asked to join the project. Hi, ladies. How are you both? Looking gorgeous. Thank Thank you. you. As are you. (laughs) Cute. First of all, wow. What an amazing group of talented, beautiful women. I've been waiting for this show. So I was so excited to finally start watching it. Demi, why was this project so great for you? And how did it come about? Um, well, one, I've been wanting to do something with Ryan for years and years. And so the timing was just that whatever this was, I told him I, I, I would do it. I didn't know what who the character was, um, but I knew the incredible talent that was already signed up to be part of it. And it was just such an incredible group of talented women that that was just like, you know, the added icing on the cake. And it was it, it was a beautifully written piece where we also had Gus Van Zandt directing. Like there were so many elements that made this juicy. And in particular, I mean, I think the, you know, the Truman Truman story is was just fascinating. Yeah really really was and molly how about you did ryan i ring you up and it was just a yes i'm in uh i i definitely wanted to work with ryan again i had i had worked with him on Dahmer, and i had a really great experience uh i i love the cast that that ryan puts together um i had always been interested in truma capote and the swans 
Um, I did not expect ever to be offered the part of Joanne Carson, mostly just because I don't really look like her. She has these gorgeous big blue eyes and, you know, hair your color. Oh, interesting. Um, but, you know, I, I did definitely want to work with Ryan again. And I was really excited that it, it shot in New York because I live in New York. And then, of course, all my scenes are in Los Angeles. Um, so <laughs> most of my scenes, I have a couple in New York. Um, but yeah, I, I was the same as to me. I was really like, yeah, I'm in. And and then found out later. Um, and also Robbie Bates, who who wrote and did a beautiful job um, adapting um, this this material. Um, he got on the phone with me and told me all the reasons why he wanted me to play the character and why they wanted me. And yeah, I was I was in. Demi, how much did you know about your character and Bang Bang Woodward and just about this group of women? How much did you know? I didn't really. I mean, I knew I, I knew in very broad strokes about the swans. Just, you know, I've, I've, you know, seen many of the images, but I didn't really I can't say I really knew anything about them as people. Um, and so it was really once, you know, uh, you know, I said yes and jumped in that I really started to kind of do that deeper dive to get to know who Anne was and just kind of how how that just how that all evolved. Yeah, the story's really interesting. And Molly, you play Joanne Carson, Johnny Carson's second wife, right? So That's right. how much did you know about Joanne? You know, I didn't really know that much about her. All, all I knew was that they were friends and that I think, uh, you know, she inherited a lot of his belongings and, um, you know, his ashes. I think she gave mm -hmm. part of half of the ashes to his family and she kept the other half. I think they're interred actually next to each other oh, wow. um, in the cemetery. Um, I, I knew some of that, but I didn't know I didn't know how absolutely devoted they were to each other. They really were kind of like it was just the two of them because they were both kind of ousted from their from their uh, groups. You know, once Joanne divorced Johnny Carson, she kind of was no longer a part of the Hollywood elite uh, in the way that she had been. And then, of course, after uh, Truman did what he did, um, he was ousted. So they were kind of like outcasts together. Did you ladies know each other beforehand? Because of course, Black Pack. So you, did you know each other from years ago? I think we I didn't mean, really know we, each other, yeah. but I always admired Demi and a lot. Sam, I feel like this project has actually allowed us to have a little bit more time. And um, we were at an event recently and I left and I just said, we've never really had a chance to spend that much time, but I always walk away with such like a big feeling in my heart for you. And oh, I really, because it, it's, really you know, nice. and I mean, we share a manager, we like, obviously, you know. And we share a lot of, I think, the similar experiences because yeah. we were coming up you at, know, around, around the same, the same time. time. I, I lost a lot of parts to this lady. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's so nice like this yeah. it's it's like that's one of the like the added bonuses one it's rare that there's a project that also has this many women and even if we didn't have, have, a lot, women. have a lot of scenes together which both for both of us most of our scenes were with Tom who is incredible nice. but just kind of just being in the energy field 
Yeah. Uh, being in a project that also had so many complex, interesting roles for women and women of our generation is uh, also felt just kind of personally very uplifting. Yeah. It was really exciting to, to play characters that were not first and foremost a mom. Mm. You know, I mean, even though most of us, I our think, moms. are moms, <laughs> if not all of us, um, there's, there's, you know, I love being a mom, but I don't only want to play a mom or have that just mm -hmm. be, you know, sort of just be secondary to someone else. I mean, this project really focuses a lot on the lives of these women. And they're all fascinating. Yeah. Like all of them, all of the stories are just fascinating. And the fashion is gorgeous. Everything about it is just amazing and beautiful. Congratulations on this. Thank you. Thank you so much. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Watch Feud, Capote vs. the Swans on FX and Hulu. Well, he broke into the music biz 31 years ago on Dr. Dre's iconic album, The Chronic. Since then, Snoop Dogg has sold 35 million albums. And now, the Long Beach hip-hop legend is starring in The Underdogs. Snoop plays a washed-up NFL star sentenced to coach an unruly peewee football team to avoid jail time in the new flick. And the star shares why he had more fun on the set than anyone else. Here's Snoop and co-star Tika Sumter. Melvin Robert with Extra. It's good to see you both in this extra, way. Extra, you too. <laughs> extra, extra. Hey, you know, we're celebrating 30 years. 30? Wow. 30 years. Y'all started after my album came out in 93? <laughs> yeah. I'm older than Extra? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that crazy that Extra's been around for 30 years? 30 wow. years. Yeah. Staying power. Stay, for real. You two as well. It's so lovely. This is really lovely to be with you two. I love this film. It's very inspiring. I used to be a teacher before I was on TV. Wow. So for 12 years, so I have such a soft spot for anything with kids yes. and with young people. Mm -hmm. They certainly change the vibe of any room, right, that they inhabit. <laughs> what was the vibe like on the set with these young folks? Honestly, Mel, I was like the biggest kid on set. Like, I had the most fun. I tapped into Snoop Dogg, 11 years old. Mm. And that was the only way I could be around them because it's something about me around kids. I can't be an adult. I have to be a kid. That's why I hate coaching because they get away with everything with me. <laughs> so when we was on set, I was like letting them be kids. I would whisper in their ears like, do something crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I wasn't like being an adult. Yeah. Like because I was so infatuated with being with kids and to be able to work with them because I'm a fan of the Little Rascals and that was always ah. one of my favorite shows yeah. to see kids on screen. These kids in this movie, they curse. <laughs> like, <no. laughs> 
I saw them sound like they really know what they're doing. They've been practicing. Yeah, they're practicing outside. We just practicing. Yeah. So, so when y'all yelled cut. Were they still cursing and were you having to rein them in? Uh, I think as a mom myself, yeah. you know, I have a seven-year-old, so I'm, I was just like, they're, they're a little older than her, but they were, I was definitely like, um, to the director, Charles, should they be saying this, you know? <laughs> I, I, my mother nurture came out, but I mean, look, they, it was part of what I love about this. It's so grounded in reality. Yeah. Like, kids curse, yeah. whether you like it or not. At yeah. least we see it, you know, and we try. We tried to taper it down. And, right. and they, were, they were good kids. They, it's Great not kids. like we got just some kids from the hood to just cuss. These are bona fide actors. Right. Let's say that first and foremost. These kids are high qualified actors. They can handle roles, uh, emotions, mm. all of that. Like, can cry and all. Like, it's hard for me as an adult to cry in a scene. And I watch these kids pull off amazing acting feats. And at the same time, when they said cut, they didn't continue to be in character that much with the words as much as they were with the character. Yeah, and I was that's always a beautiful thing to see them be professional. Yes. 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 Right? I feel like they learned so much from yeah. Snoop and I being professional. Well, sometimes Snoop because Charles Stone had to be like, guys, you gotta, you gotta go. <laughs> well, remember this though, Tika, they had a teacher, right? That lady. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so the lady, she would get them all calm and I would just turn them up. He would just rile them back up again. And she'd be like, Snoop, now what are you doing? Can you just work with me? So I had to end up working with her to, to get them on point. Yeah. What did you love about this character? Oh my gosh. I love that she's a hard worker. I love that she is in service of other people. I love that her and her high school sweetheart can come back together to talk about what actually happened and have an understanding. I love that she loves all these kids as if they're all her own. Mm -hmm. um, she's just a giver, you know, mm -hmm. but she also stands on her own two feet and she fights for what she believes in. So mm -hmm. that's what I love. What about you, Snoop? What'd you love about? I love the growth of my character, how mm -hmm. he started off as the worst and you hated him and you couldn't wait to get him off screen <laughs> to you loved everything about him, you understood him and you watched him grow into a man, a leader, mm -hmm. a real person who cared about these kids. Because if you notice in the beginning, he had no care. It was all about him being selfish. From selfishness to selflessness is what I love about my character. One of the things I really admire about you is your career. You've had this extraordinary career. We just love you so much, mm -hmm. but you never forgot where you came from. You have deep roots in the community. Your football league is extraordinary that you've been doing since 2005. And you still keep in touch with so many of these young people. I love it, man. It's just, my mother raised me like this. My mother was the same way. We had so many people stayed in my house as a kid, from my uncles to my cousins. I shared rooms with so many people for two weeks, three months, one year, mm. because she was always opening her doors up to everybody. She was a love angel, and she produced me as the love child. So I'm only doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I put out love, that's why I get it back. I love what you said too about CJ Stroud, that he's has is representing a new narrative in the league. He's yes. got this spirit love, he's yes. positive. Did he, yes. So he learned that from you. He learned that just from being around the things that we provide in our league. Like mm -hmm. we show kids the beauty of life. It's up to them to take a hold of it and make it theirs. We can show them dirt, dark, light. Whatever you show a kid, they're gonna gravitate to the things that they like that you showed them. Yeah. Mm. So we were able to show these kids other things rather than gang banging and yeah. pop pop and we showing yeah. them huddling up calling plays you have to know the offensive you have to know your role you have to you're accountable now yeah it ain't us yeah. it's we yeah and as a dad is that something that you imparted onto your own kids 
all my babies. Um, I was hard on my kids, but not like hard like this, but hard like I would tell them the truth. Mm. Like I never lied to my kids. And when social media first came out, I would always tell them the truth as far as like, the things I'm gonna say to you ain't gonna be half as bad as what they're gonna say, but I'm building your skin up to where you won't pay attention to that because that's just somebody typing that you will never see. That's a hater, that's someone who inspires you to be great. You need that, mm -hmm. you have to have that, that's inspiration. So I raise my kids in that mind state because I'm successful and I know what comes with success. Challenge too, how do you overcome challenges, yeah, yeah. What do you hope people take away, Tika, from the film? One, I want them to laugh. Yes. Um, I think more than ever, we need some joy in our lives, but I also want them to take away um, going back home. It, it doesn't always have to be a scary thing. Uh, you know, you can get, it's like chicken soup for the soul. It sometimes reminds you who you are. I think sometimes we're scared to go back to where we came from, but all of the people know you there, and sometimes they remind you to just be a better person than you are right now, sometimes, yeah. yeah. And Snoop, I love that you're gonna be doing the Super Bowl. <laughs> Uh, what, I'm sorry, the Olympics, the, the Olympics. What can we expect? What can we expect from me at the Olympics? Um, Snoop Dogg, you know, the wide world of Snoop Dogg. You know, I'm gonna be fun, I'm gonna be exciting, I'm gonna be entertaining, I'm gonna be, you know, educational when it comes to sports. And I'm gonna also be different. I'm gonna try some things that I never would try before. Yeah. And I'm just gonna leave it at that. So you may see me do some things that you wouldn't expect. So tune in. Tune in. Thank you. Thank you. Good thank you, brother. You. Proud of you, man. Yeah, thank Keep you. Keep on moving much. up, man. It's good to yeah. see you. Thank you. Thank you. You can catch the underdogs on Prime. Golden Globe nominee Jeffrey Wright is the leading man in American fiction, playing a frustrated writer in the film who jokingly pens a stereotypical black book only to see it become a massive hit. I sit down with the leading man who weighed in on the accolades and all the Oscar buzz. It's really great to, to be in conversation with you today. I really thoroughly enjoyed, I saw it last night and really enjoyed the, the film. And I enjoyed all the different emotions that it brought up throughout. I laughed, I was moved. It left me with a lot to consider. At the heart of it though, was this family story. And there was this beautiful family story and it was just, <laughs> it was so inviting and it was so encouraging and inspiring. When did you know that this project was special? Well, I read the script. Cord Jefferson, our writer-director, adapted this script from a novel called Erasure by a writer named Percival Everett. And uh, Cord really reshaped, in some ways, the, uh, the, the novel in his own image. Uh, but there were a lot of overlaps for him and for me. The novel was set in Washington, D.C., where I grew up. Uh, it's the story of a, of a, of a guy uh, who is uh, creative and, you know, trying to uh, be a free man uh, creatively and intellectually. And, you know, he's facing challenges to that. And at the same time, he's facing the challenges of his relationship to love and to family, particularly to his mother. And that really hit home for me. Mm -hmm. Um I watched the film for the first time with an audience in Brooklyn a couple of days ago, and I looked up and I saw Tracy Ellis Ross, Sterling K. Brown, Myra Lucretia Taylor, and of course the legendary Leslie Uggams, you mm -hmm. know, who make up uh, our family. And I just said to myself, "Wow, what a what a beautiful portrait." And we had that sense when we were on set. 
because we as well, all of us were passionate, they as well rather, were passionate about the, the script and the opportunity to do this. And we got together and it just felt organic and we just threw, threw, uh, threw ourselves into it together and, and had a ball doing it. For me, it was rare. I, I hadn't played notes like this before in a film or been asked to. And uh, it, just, it just seemed um, so warm and personal for all of us. Yeah. And it also was, you know, like all families, the, you, know, you know, there were lunatic elements <laughs> and, and, you know, madness and dysfunction and function. And despite one another, this, this undeniable love, they happen to be black folks, but it's a family like any family. Yeah. And I think audiences <clears throat> from, from across the spectrum will find something of themselves in that part of it. I certainly did, and, and for me, it's the heart and the soul of the movie. One of the things that you said is that people are not often looking for a Jeffrey Wright type. Right. What do you mean by that? Well, <clears throat> you know, I mean, because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's not often the hero of a movie, you know, um, which is why I try to be flexible uh, I try to, uh, you know, to create characters anew and it gives me an opportunity to slot myself into a lot of different genres and a lot of different, you know, a lot of different uh, uh, stories in ways that that, you know, allows me to stay busy. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, there's not a lot of, you know. Mm -hmm. That guy's not necessarily, uh, you know, at the forefront of of, <laughs> of, of the mainstream uh, media's mind. And so when Cord said to me that he'd written this, you know, with with me in mind, and that, you know, he had no plan B, I was I was <laughs> I was pleased, flattered, and I understood I understood why upon reading it. And uh, yeah, I just kind of just kind of read the book of my life <laughs> and showed up on set and went to work. Congratulations are in order, too, for um, your Career Achievement Award at the Palm Springs International Film Festival. Oh, thank you. Yeah. What did that recognition mean to you? It means I've been doing this for a while now, I guess. <laughs> when did that happen? Um, you know, uh, oh, wow. Um, I, I think I'm going to tell a story that night, you know, just about what I've learned over time and who I've learned learned uh, from. I've, I've had the, the good fortune of working with a lot of amazing humans, amazing actors and directors who took an interest in me early. And then, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to be in the room with a lot of wonderful collaborators mm -hmm. later over many decades. And, uh, you know, you can't do it alone. And, uh, you know, I think it's recognition of all the support that I got over time. And, you know, maybe I, maybe I did justice to that support. So it's pretty cool. You know, the first film I ever did, really the first kind of, you know, significant role was opposite Sidney Poitier. And he was so incredibly gracious and so generous and just so cool. Mm. And, uh, you know, here it is, I don't know. Whew, that was 1989, you know? It's been a while. So yeah, uh, I don't know how it happened. It seems quicker than that in some ways and longer in others, but uh, I'm appreciative of, uh, of the recognition. It should be a fun night. 
This film's also getting some Oscar buzz. How do you process that? Um, I try not to, um, particularly when I'm working, you know, if any kind of thoughts like about that stuff come in, I just kind of, I have a delete button in my head because it's totally distracting from the work and it serves no purpose. Of course, now um, it's, it's, you know, the Oscars are to recognize good work and also bring attention to good, uh, to, you know, to good film and good performances and the like. So that we have this type of buzz is, is cool because it means that people are liking what they see and they, uh, you know, they want to come uh, buy a ticket to our movie. Mm -hmm. I can tell you, the alternative is not so good <laughs> when people have no interest in buying a ticket to your movie. <laughs> this is much better. Yeah, yeah. I prefer this. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all good. Finally, what do you hope that people take away from the film? Um, I think I, I, I expect, you know, and, and from what I've heard, this seems to be uh, happening. I, I hope that people find a place for themselves inside this story, no matter what background they come from, you know, where in this country or where in the world they come from. I hope they find a place in this film, in this story, in the journey of this man uh, that they can that they can call a bit of home. Mm. I, I think there's a universality to it that will be unexpected for audiences. Yes, you know, it's satirical, it's social commentary. We've you know, there it's it's a it's a funny ride, it's a fun ride. But there's an emotional depth to it and um, and uh, and a universality to it that I think uh, will draw people in and will give them, you know, give them some comfort. Mm. Amen. Thank you very much. Really nice to talk to you. Thank you. You too, man. Yeah. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. American fiction is in theaters now. And finally, three pioneering youngsters from Queens would become the hip-hop legends known as Run DMC, Rev Run, 
Daryl McDaniels, and Jam Master J. They changed fashion and music, selling 230 million records along the way. Now Rev Run and DMC are reuniting to tell their story and King from Queens, the Run DMC story. They sit down with extras Megan Wright and discuss the docuseries and their lowest of lows, the murder of Jam Master J. Hi, how are you? So amazing to meet you. To meet you. I worked in uh, music at Hot 97 for a very long time, so I'm a very, very big fan as a DJ and someone who's grown up in hip hop. So I wanted to start by just thanking you for everything that you have done and giving us a career. Um, King from Queens, why was now the time that you decided, okay, it's a perfect time to tell my story? You know, I, I'm, you know, being spiritual like I am, I just feel like it all just fell in place. It's the 50th year of hip hop and I don't know how it fell in place. It just like, it was always in the making, I guess, somewhere, somehow, but it wasn't like a decision, like, let's do it now. I mean, there's a lot of hands in the pot. So, you know, different people saying different things. And in my mind, it just happened. It wasn't like I picked this time. I think it has a lot to do with God and, t and God's time. It kind of just made sense, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I had no say. Yeah, when you look and watch, you know, your documentary and you see these moments and all these things that you have lived, what kind of goes through your mind when you're reminiscing and like, wow, okay, we did this. <laughs> it, the, the first thing that goes through my mind is, wow, we played Live Aid. I was probably 19 years old, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people there. And I didn't know if they was going to like us or not like us. I don't even know why, you know, why would they choose these young guys from Hollis, Queens to play this big um, venue for this, this cause. And the only thing that can go through my mind is, you know, it, it was, it was, I was in the middle of a dream. Everything was like a dream to me. Like I remember sitting in Philadelphia airport, getting tapped by my man, Larry Smith, God rest his soul saying, all right, we got to go and we're going to be playing this. And, and you get out in front of all these people and you're wondering, do they even know who you are? And then they respond to King of Rock the way they did. So for me, um, I hate to sound like, like I don't know what's going on, but it's kind of like a dream. I, I don't know how it all happened. It was like a, a miracle from God put Run DMC to do what we did. And I'm just happy that people enjoyed it. Do you think, I don't want to say take for granted, but it's like, we live in a time now where like hip hop is yeah. number one, right? I know sometimes it rivals country, but it's, it's number one. And that wasn't the same for you when you first started. So do you think sometimes we, we take it for granted? Like, how used to we are seeing like to me i'm like of course why wouldn't run dmc be alive like why wouldn't that happen but then you you like paint the picture of what things were like when you started I, there was no struggle because every little thing was a big thing so you're 17 18 years old a record comes out my only hope is magic mr magic will play it will i get on the radio so when it hits the radio i'm like it's over i win so there's no more, there's nothing left besides, well, let me see if they play it tomorrow at three o'clock. <gasps> they played it again. Oh, it's on the top countdown. It's on KTU, you know, with Paco. Like everything was like, I can't believe Mr. Maddie's going to play on record next week. So being a kid wanting a little bit that seemed like, I didn't care if it played in North Carolina. I just want to, can I hear it on the radio station I've been listening to 
Sheik's Good Times? Can I hear my record where they play Freak Out? Like, I, I couldn't believe we were, that was happening. So when you say like, you know, how do I feel that it's just a, a known thing that it's big? Every little thing to me was big back then. It, every moment, every show, I'm getting on an airplane. We got a show where? At a high school in, in, in South Carolina? It was always big, always a big deal. So I was never in a position to feel like I was struggling or it's not happening because every little happening was happening. If you know what I mean? It was all exciting. I was, I was a kid. Jealous, man. Sometimes I, I, you know, even just watching and seeing different moments and it's stuff that we we hear about, but we weren't a part of and being a DJ, you know, I've been a DJ for 20 years. So Jam Master J is like, right. talk to me about Jam Master J and his legacy and why he was, you know, as important as a lyricist to run the he's, he's, he held everything together. If he didn't, if this didn't work behind me, I'm in trouble. Now DJ runs. My, he has to be there with the scratch. As much as I got to scream, he got to be right there. And Jam Master J is his. He's DMC. It's like that. Like he had, he was a part of the dynamic. He was a one man band and he was extremely accurate. Our show wasn't an easy show. He's calling out D -D 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 DMC run, run. Well, he had a job and a half. I mean, he was a, big part of what we do and we took it very serious this wasn't like a tape jay had work to do he wasn't just throwing on sucker mcs he was mixing sucker mcs into this and into beats to the rhyme and beats to the rhyme into my adidas and had to be on point and here you are playing madison square garden and jay has to be come out yo say run he was one third of that band crazy hard job but he's an accurate dj I miss him every day. He was accurate, accurate, trustworthy. I knew he was going to be there. That's all I could say. Oh, like looking now, like you think about, you talk about live performances and how important, obviously, Jam Master J was to everything, but even making sure that, you know, you and DMC or everybody is on, you know, when you look at live performances now, what are some of the main differences you see and what do you hope to see kind of as hip hop continues to keep going after 50 years. Um, it's gone to the next level. I mean, if you think about the performances or just thinking about Beyonce, or you think about what 50 Cent just did or what the, the, the way they, they, they got, it's just crazy. I mean, I looked at the way Snoop came out at the um, 50th with the way Pharrell put together some tape of, of um, I don't even remember what it was. It's just so much more can be done now. You can have a DJ, you can have a little piece of a band, you can have, you know, a video screen, you can have you can come out of the sky on a, it's limitless. So I love it. Everybody's doing their thing. It's, it's amazing. I love little Wayne, the way he came out all cool. And um, the, <laughs> just looked like he was at home. Like Sammy Davis Jr. Just came out like, what's going on? Cigarette. In the <laughs> just cool. So everybody was just cool. Yeah, I love it. Now, something else that <clears throat> over the years that I've I've, I've seen is in, and have appreciated is the relationship between fashion and and, and hip hop. And think Run DMC automatically, you think of, of of Adidas. What's the story behind that? Was that like when you were wearing Adidas? Was it was it just natural at the beginning, or was it like a paid sponsorship? And did it revolve, or what? Or was Adidas always I just? I I know the answer, but I need I just need you to say the answer. <laughs> Listen, man, you go to Jamaica Ave and you see the new stuff 
and you want to get it. If you could save up, if your parents get it for the first day of school, a pair of Lee jeans, burgundy or black or blue jeans on my side. Yo, Jay, rock the beat. So everything was just right there on Jamaica Avenue in Queens. So we wear it. It's time to hit the stage. If you, you know, we, we made show money last night so we can go to the Ave and pick up that leather blazer, put a mock neck and if you can get the hat from Stetson Hats on Jamaica Ave, you're dressing like the rest of the people that you know. You didn't see um, anything but yourself when you saw Run DMC, you know? So we were dressing like people were dressing in the hood. And we put it on TV. Like we said on my Adidas, we took the beat from the street and put it on TV. That's all. That's it. We're so early. And then the next thing you know, you know, it's, it's just hip hop and, and, and fashion. You see all these brands and all these collaborations and it just. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at what Pharrell got going on now. Like. Yeah. Timberlands mixed with Louis. I'm like, oh, that's fire. <laughs> We've got the right director over there at Louis. And Pharrell's going to be in charge. So, yeah, it's it's just hip hop, man. We got, you know, we got flavor. We got style. We 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 know how to rock our hat a certain way and walk a certain way and talk a certain way and feel a certain way and project ourselves. There, I think, you know, also something that I found so amazing about Brun DMC is the different stages in your career and how long it has lasted and how people have been introduced to you and fell in love with you at a different time. Personally, during MTV TRL days and when you guys did, um, let's see, uh, uh, Walk This Way, that that remix, that t- was like, I remember when that happened and it was like the biggest thing with you and Aerosmith and everything. What can you bring me back to that moment and when that collab kind of happened? Well, that was like 80, 1986. Um, the collab is a very uh, good story. So back in the day, we had to find records to rap over, whether it was Bob James, Billy Squire, Aerosmith. We, we didn't have music. We took music. So we used to scratch and rap over the Walk This Way beat, the job of the DJ to make sure that that vocalist says nothing. So I never knew what was being said on Walk This Way. <laughs> and if I do, you're a bad DJ. Because now I'm rapping what Steven Tyler is singing. And I don't know what he's saying anyway. So Flash used to cut up Walk This Way before Run DMC. Everybody scratched the Walk This Way. You, you cut the beat. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. That was the job. So Rick Rubin came along and was like, why don't you do the vocals? I'm like, Scooby-Doo, I don't know. What, what vocals? You know what they're saying. I don't know what they're saying. I, I have no idea what happens after that. Go home and study it and do those vocals over. Like, okay, D, let's go home and see what they're saying that we're not too supposed to have ever heard because the DJ was banned from making sure that we don't hear that. We went home, studied it, came back and did the best we could with it. And oof, it explodes and everybody's loving Walk This Way. But it's not how it started out. It started out, let's just rap over this beat until Rick Rubin said, no, do the entire record over. Very confusing at that time, but very big result. 
I just gave you the whole answer. I it's crazy it, that that's a new, that's like, that was a new thing. And now it's like, you know, yeah. people do that all the time. But at the time your brain was like, wait, you want me to do what? <laughs> like in those vocals, he's not rapping. He's singing. Yeah. I'd be loving to not need the government to talk to my daddy say, huh, what? How, you want me to sing? I don't know what he's doing. I, I want to rap my own vocals. vocals. So we remade a record that we wasn't supposed to remake and it blew up. Another moment too, um, before I let you go and kind of revolves around, you know, uh, the audience and also fans seeing your family and your faith was Run's house. That was such a gigantic, you know, time in, in all culture history too. And do you still have those thoughts? I, I just remember always the sign offs where you're in the, in the bathtub, you know, kind of thinking about the day. Yeah. Like um, two things first, what, you know, how did your family and your faith keep you grounded, you know, throughout these years? And do you still have those runs house moments where at the end of the day, you kind of think about the day? My Instagram, I put up words every day. I didn't get a chance this morning. I had to get up so early, but when I finish, I'll put up a word of wisdom. Um, I'm not quite doing them in the tub and sending them out, but if you go to my Instagram, you'll see different words. And I definitely have a very deep faith and whatever I'm, I won't say dealing with, whatever I'm feeling inspired from by God, I release it to the universe as, you know, my part of my create, creative juices. So I love giving words of wisdom for myself. And then you guys get to hear what I'm thinking. Well, it's so great to meet you and to talk to you and congratulations um, on the documentary and everything. And yeah, I can't wait to 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 see what what's going on with 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 Run DMC over the next, you know, 50 years of hip hop just happened. But we still got so many more years to go. Wait, can I ask you real quick before I let you go? Who um who are you loving right now in hip hop? For this one second, there's two. There's two. I'm, I'm loving Lil Wayne and Two Chains, and I'm loving this everybody that Nicki Minaj body, my body. She's just phenomenal on the mic. I'm just think that she's genius. Nicki's really doing it, man. Nicki yeah. is this album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta admit she's fly on the mic. Queens. Yeah, Queens in the house. I got a, <laughs> a, lot, of queens, a lot of Queens stars, man. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ron. Blessings. Bye. King from Queens, the Run DMC story is out now on Peacock. That about does it for us today. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to listen and follow on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time, everybody.